Today's episode is brought to you by McLean Middleton, providing trusted legal services to businesses throughout the region for over 100 years. Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Feingold, editor of New Hampshire Business Review with our Down to Business podcast. Uh, Joining me today, as usual, uh, is Amanda Andrews, our associate editor and producer of this podcast. And our guest this week is Cheryl Andrews, who is the executive director of the Dismiss Home in Manchester. Now, it's an organization that does really essential work, but I venture to say that a lot of our listeners have never heard of Dismiss Home. And you guys have been around a long time. So Cheryl, first of all, welcome to the podcast. And if you could explain what the role of the Dismiss Home is, what, what your job is, and, and you know, what, what your mission is. Sure, sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to be invited to, to, to share a little bit more about Dismiss Home. We have been in business since um, 2016. We are a 501c3 not-for-profit professional organization. We are a licensed residential treatment program for uh, substance use and mental health issues, and we serve exclusively previously incarcerated women with substance use and co-occurring mental illness. So we have a very niche population that we serve, but in our most humble opinion, these are the most overlooked and most underserved group of people in the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, I mean, could you t- explain to me why, how was it founded? It was in 2009. What what was the impetus for that? Was there, is there a we lack were of actually, program? We, we were, I'm sorry, we were founded in 2016. 16, I'm sorry. Yes, and our founders were um, part of the Kairos Behind the Walls program. Uh, so they were working with men in prisons and discovered that there are lots of re-entry services in prison, in the st- state prison for men, but nothing for women. And so they realized strongly that a lot of the challenges that women faced upon re-entry had to do with the fact that they were incarcerated women. <laughs> yeah. Nothing on the inside to help them make that transition out. The strongest thing that came to us is as, as we built the program was that we understood that most of these women that we serve were incarcerated for substance use disorder, not violent crime. And the things that are connected to substance use, which are theft and fraud and you know all those sorts of things. Uh, and then when we dug a little deeper, we realized that they had co-occurring mental illness, mostly triggered by trauma. So they were self-medicating their trauma by SUD which, you know, it's a vicious cycle in the end. And the recidivism rate is currently around 50%. I want to say 43% is the accurate statistic, but mm. pretty close. So our goal is to help them heal both mind, all body, mind, and, and soul so that they can be a whole person as they re-enter the community, right? So we treat the trauma. We get to the under what happened to you and how can we heal that trauma so that you don't go right back to where you were and you besides the counseling services y'all also work with helping them 
um, gain employment. Is that is that right? So some of the support services that we provide, we really think about this in a holistic perspective, right? So we have 24-7 clinical staff. We have an on-site therapist who manages their mental health work. Uh, and then we have our caseworkers who help them with all of the other things that they need to learn. They need to learn some basic life skills like budgeting and grocery shopping and planning a menu and you know, housekeeping and all the things that we all take for granted, most of them don't even have a clue because many of them have never had a home. Once we get them sorted out, some of the, uh, the health issues that happen because of their substance use is that they have terrible, terrible, terrible dental issues, acute. And you can't just patch it up with a filling or a cleaning. You really have to go in and take care of inflammation and broken and rotted teeth. And you have to do extractions and they're not covered where they come from and they don't have money uh, on average. It takes about $10,000 to fix all the work. Mm -hmm. $10,000 to fix. I smile. Like, you know, <laughs> somebody who is coming to us doesn't have those resources. So we try to take care of some of that for them. Then we help them with job coaching and helping find recovery and felon friendly uh, employers. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of meaningful jobs slash careers, someone who is a recovering addict and a convicted felon is not going to get past the gatekeepers and get an interview. And, you know, you can't find housing and or plan a successful life on a Dunkin Donuts pay. It's not, it's not going to happen. And so we try to help them. And we have lots of partners in the community who are working with us to get them ready for job interviews and help them through the process and help find, you know, felon friendly and recovery friendly employers. And then there's the housing issue that's big and crazy and bad. And we have several partners who we work with to help us, you know, make some of those inroads <laughs> in the housing industry. And there are just so many pieces. There are just so many pieces of the puzzle in. We can do all this and invest all this. And if we turned them loose at the end of their stay and they didn't have a good job and they didn't have housing, they'd fall right back into the cracks that they came crawling out of because they don't have the resources to keep going. So yeah. that's part of our ongoing mission is to bridge that chasm of you're safe, you're in this wonderful home situation, you've got your recovery foundation going, and then there's after. It, yeah, I just want to, isn't, I'm, I'm thinking of the timelines of 2016, that was before the new women's prison opened in 2018. And I remember we did a series of articles on the previous women's prison and the complete lack of services and resources there. Is that the same? Is it the same situation now? Have they improved the resources? Because I think a lot of the things you're talking about is that your that your organization has to deal with a lot of the stuff that's left that's that's not provided in the prison. Correct which includes job training and all this other stuff. Yeah. So they're still not providing that kind of stuff in the prison. There, there is some. There is some chat. There is there is some improvement at the prison level. Okay. Uh, the funding has not come through to 
to really develop the programs the way it was intended. Uh, and so, you know, the men's prison has lots more advantages and lots more programs that are continued to be funded. But the women's prison side, uh, you know, Commissioner Hanks and I have a have a good relationship and she's working really hard to make sure that that her um, her constituents, if you will, the people that are, you know, that are in housed are getting all that she can provide for them. They do have a, they do have some counseling services and we do have a good relationship with them and get a lot of our residents from them, but there's not a there's not the same level as there are with men. And I can share with you that sometimes they come to us and they're completely indigent. They have they come to us with the clothes on their back. Mm. It, that's what they come with. So it's, it, you know, to get them from, okay, here's someone with nothing and get them to a successful transition back into the community. Uh, residents can stay with us. Uh, their average stay is about nine months. Some stay a little bit longer depending on what housing is available at the end or where they are in their recovery journey. I mean, you know, we, we don't expect Rome to be built in a day. Hmm. And, you know, they have a lot of work to do to get back to a place of normal because mm. it's they've suffered for so long it is do the how, how many uh how much room do you have there how many how many <laughs> people how many women do you serve at, at a time we have we are licensed for eight beds eight and I can tell you that we as an organization our strategic plan for the next three years is to add um, we would like to get to 24. Mm. We have we have two co-occurring programs in within our eight beds. So the first 90 days, it's called um, a low intensity uh, program, uh, and so it's an ASAM level 3.1 intensity. It's a SAMHSA, you know, labeled program, and it is where they come, they unwind. They have much more supervision. They have much more intense therapy. They start peeling back the layers and get, you know, get down to the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. And then they transition to what we call the transitional living program, where they are still required to have therapy and clinical case management and, you know, groups and all of the things that they would get, but there's more freedom. And that's the place where we start the transition out. And that is a six month program so that they have time to get a job and they have time to get settled and they have time, like there's a, there's a lot to readjust to. Uh, and what we're finding is that there are more women who need our services. So if we can take the 90 day program and have it in one house and have the transitional living program, which is not the same as a sober living home because it's still clinical. It's still run clinically, right? With 24 seven staff, clinical therapy services and a program. So it's not a sober living. And add more beds in that place, we would be able to transition women from the 90 day to the transitional living program and have more, more space there. Cause they're gonna be there a little bit longer than the mm -hmm. first three days. There's <clears throat> are, you, are, you, are you starting a campaign to, to raise the funding or how, how is that working? We are in the process of building our case for support and doing our feasibil feasibility study to, 
make sure that we're moving in the right direction and that we can find the funding in the hope the hope is to launch the capital campaign at the first of the year i mean in the you know in the quiet phase yeah and and you and you have the space that you can you can use right now no we are maxed out we have used up every last square possible inch of the building that we're in <laughs> so so a lot of it will be finding a new a new home right a new home for the home uh, an additional an additional property yeah okay we would love to be able to find something in our immediate neighborhood so that we close proximity to ourselves you know sure. um but we'll just i i think when you put it out there the universe god whatever provides what you want and what you need and you know this whole organization has been built on the belief in divine intervention. And I can be I can be confident in saying that anytime I have put it out there, it has come. So I'm confident that it will come to us. And there's a great need. So yeah, you know, as 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 my uh, my grandmother says, from your mouth to God's ears. So uh, you know <laughs> <how it's> me. <laughs> we're and you know we're not we're not a doctrine based organization. I think at first um a lot of folks felt like, oh, well, they're, you know, they're a Catholic doctrine-driven organization, and we're not faith-based. We yeah. do encourage women to find their higher power, believe in God, do, however, but you yeah. have to figure it out for yourself. Um, but I can assure you that a lot of our, our, our board members and, and people that are in our closest, you know, closest circle of friends are definitely um, uh, have a lot of faith. They mm. have a lot of faith. Well, to do what you're doing. So I want to just take a break. I'll be right back. McLean Middleton is one of New England's premier full-service law firms with headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire, and offices in Concord and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. McLean Middleton has over 100 attorneys in five locations and has been providing trusted legal services to businesses throughout the region for over 100 years. A full-service law firm with practice areas in corporate, tax, employment, litigation, trusts and estates, energy and environment, intellectual property and privacy, and data security, to name just a few. McLean Middleton's commitment to their clients, community, and colleagues has helped them to establish and maintain long-standing relationships as trusted advisors. Whether you are starting your business, growing your business, or preparing to sell your business, McLean Middleton has the experience to guide you through the complexities of the legal system. For a complete listing of their practice areas, attorneys, and locations, visit www.mclane.com. Hi, we're back with Cheryl Andrews of the Dismiss Home, and we're talking about their mission, which is to help women who have been incarcerated uh, regain control of their lives. Is that a, is that a good way to put it? I would say so. Yeah, I I think you know they have they have decided to do the hard work uh, to get themselves to a much better place in their lives, to regain their children, to regain mm. their relationships, to you know make themselves a success and they have made the choice to do the hard work. We're just doing the work to support them. Could, could you talk a little bit about, about the success stories that you've had? Oh, yes, I can. I, yeah. Cause I think, I think really seriously, is this something that I think a lot of employers either might want to hear or should hear? So. And I can be so proud to say that um, 
we had we had a resident she came this this woman's name is jewel burke she came to dismiss the same week that i started as executive director so we kind of got there at the same time and um she was enrolled in uh, merrimack county drug court which is a whole other you know arm of the criminal justice slash recovery slash program world um and so she came to Dismas home and the girl, she's a shining star. She is not named Jewel for other any other reason than she is one. She is phenomenal. And last October, I saw all of her qualities just come to, a, 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 you know, come to the forefront. She had leadership skills. She was passionate about the mission. She has no fear of anything. And she said to me, listen, I was a drug addict for 20 years. You think anything scares me? You know, okay, great, let's go. And um, I took a chance and figured I could teach her all the skills that a person needs to, you know, work in development and be part of our team. And so I hired her and she's been with us now just about a year hmm. and, and she is phenomenal. She is she is so strong in her recovery and she now works, even does some shifts in the house as a recovery worker so that she can continue to talk to residents. She has built an alumni, I, I wanna call them a street team because they're the, they're the ones that are you know, volunteering to come and be part of what's going on. And she's amazing. She is amazing. And you know, she had struggles finding housing and you know, because of her struggle, I could see it firsthand what happens to women as they're trying to get housing. We all know housing in New Hampshire is miserable. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be polite about it because it's really a terrible, terrible situation. And, you know, I watched her really, really struggle. And I thought, I cannot have a staff person couch surfing. This is insane because she had left our program because she was ready to go. And so we we found some partners and we were able to get her an apartment and she has just grown exponentially as a wonderful, wonderful person, human, woman. You know, she has great relationships now with her family and she's, she's doing, she's doing amazingly. And yeah. we have, we, you know, we have some who are not as successful, but are still very sober and doing as well as they possibly can be doing three, four, five years out still. So ah. I'd say that's a big success right there. It's a really big success. We also have some who come and realize that the program is not for them mm. and leave in a very short amount of time because it's too much for them mm. to manage. We hope that they can come and we can give them the space to make it make it work for them, but it, it's not always. The thought occurs to me that you know you, you have space for eight women, and it's a nine month program essentially. So obviously, there's other women. There are I don't know what the population is of the prison right now, but I know at one point it's about 150. I, I'm not quite sure what it is now, and that's a lot of women uh, coming out coming out of the prison. And so, what happens, 
you know, you can't take them all in, right? I mean, that's, isn't that, you know what <laughs> that's I mean? Our, that's what we suffer with, right? Yes. Average, there are, between the 10 county jails and the state prison, right? Mm. There are about 500 women in the system at any given time in the course of the year uh, with a recidivism rate of 43%. Some of them come and go several times in that year because they come out and they go and do what they used to do or they don't have a program. They're not ready for a program. We do have some eligibility requirements like they mustn't be convicted of a violent crime. Yeah. So I can't take somebody who's convicted of assault or arson or, you know, something worse. Yeah. Um, so that does give us a smaller group to, to be able to help, but not everybody wants the help and not everybody's ready for the help. So that narrows down the group of women who can come to us, but there are certainly more than eight or yeah. if you turn the house over twice in a year. It's yeah. still, there's still more than 20 for sure. Yeah. And what 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 what's their option? It's just well, sometimes the other options in the in the community are you know maybe they maybe they go back to family, maybe they pick a sober living home, maybe they choose to live on the streets. Do hmm. um, maybe some of them move away? You know, um, some of them come out and go right back in because <laughs> yeah. they you know they're not ready. And I've had long conversations with Jewel about what makes you ready? I need to understand, help me understand because I want to be able to help more. And she said, you just have to hit absolute rock bottom. Yeah, that's what they say in the 12 step programs. So. It's kind of the same concept, except so many of these women, what they're, what they're dealing with is the trauma behind all the drug abuse that is so incredibly devastating that they can't, they can't look at it. It's so horrible. Yeah. It's so hard. It says a lot about, uh, for people, I think a lot of what people need is stability in their lives, whether it's housing, economic, emotional, and that's the most important thing that they could have. And, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate because like you said about the housing problem, that just makes it even worse. Mm -hmm. It, it does make intentions it and you end up out on the streets no matter. Yep. And, and you, yes, if we could, if, if I could fix it, I would fix it from the bottom up, like prevent the trauma from happening. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's not how it's happening. We have to fix it from the top down. Cause that's a, where the money's coming from. It's where the ref referrals are coming from. You know, we, we market, you know, we use all of our avenues, all of the electronic and digital platforms, all of our telephone services, any any way that we can reach out, you know, whether it's, you know, e-blasts, you know, uh, emails to, you know, the, the jails and the, and the prison systems, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the places where we can put our message out about who we are. We have a great website now, but putting the message out about, we want to be able to help. Let us know who we can help. Can we help you? Are you, you know, there's so, even if we're only looking at the previously incarcerated women, there's such a, a large number. Mm -hmm. 
And mm. then if you compound it with substance use and say, well, what if we don't take only previously incarcerated women? Okay, but substance use is an even bigger pool of people who need help. And it really does come down to people need help. They don't need to be punished. They need to be helped. Mm. They need the stability, like you were saying, and a hand up and to be taught, educated. Yeah. Compassion and kindness are really two big key components to our, our mission and our service. And it's unfortunate that the world is really not compassionate and kind. Mm. We want to be, but I don't think we are as compassionate as we could be. We're very judgy. Mm. People are judgy. Unfortunately, yes. Yes. It, I think it's our protective nature, right? Oh my goodness. I, I can't I can't help that person. Look at that person. Oh, that would never be me. But we are all, all of us are one tragedy away from something really terrible happening to us. One put mm-hmm. us, you know, you could get hit by a bus and then get hooked on opioids, and then what? It's a vicious cycle. It can be. And so we we have yeah. Yeah. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that, you know, it's it's true about so many things. And, you know, living and working in Manchester, you see a lot of people on the street. You say, you just wonder, you know, how what it was that got them there. And you just, you know, yeah. they have, and I have all their goods in, in like a wagon or on a, in a backpack. And it's heartbreaking. It is. And, 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 you know, and it's because it's because the society doesn't have enough to offer to take to help these people just as you said a hand up capacity for compassion yeah you know on the other side of it you know you look at healthcare workers and you look at first responders and they're completely burnt out from mm-hmm. all the craziness that we've had going on and so Absolutely. you know overdoses and people who are on the streets are and like it's not that they don't want to be compassionate they are just totally cooked they don't have any yeah. more themselves to give so they have to protect themselves so that they can continue to, it's, it's a crazy, vicious, unfortunate cycle. And we're just one little tiny bucket trying to do something. Well, I think with that, your mission is you're, you're helping a lot of people. And I think that's really important to highlight. So um, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Yeah. And I want, I want to say that, you know, is it, before we go, could you just, how do people get in contact with you or with, with the dismiss home? Absolutely. Uh, again, my name is Cheryl Andrews. You can call me at the at the residence at 603-782-3004. You can look at our website, which is dismishomenh.org. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn. You know, any any one of those places, track us down. We're happy to connect with people. If you have someone in your family that you think we is ready for some help and we can, we can help. We're happy to interview and see what we can do. Do do you also have volunteers working with you or? We do have, we do have some volunteers. It's difficult in the, in the residential portion because of the treatments for things. Um, But we can always use folks that can help us with, you know, landscaping or, we had a, a volunteer come in and teach knitting. We could use a nutritionist. We, you know, like there are places where we could certainly find folks if they're interested in offering some services and, you know, listen, 
go for a walk with our right. residents. Sometimes that's just fun too. It's just another place where people can understand that people care about them. Mm. Residents, first of all, don't think anybody cares. Yeah, that's a good, that's the first step. It is, it yeah. is, it's good. Well, Cheryl, Cheryl Andrews, I really appreciate you being on. And uh, it's been really edifying and I really learned a lot. And I wish you all the luck with Dismas Home. And if you need us, let us know, right? And by Aunt Amanda, who is now no relation, by the way. Right. For all, <laughs> all I know, I've been set up by, you know, I had a relative on here. Nope, no relation, no relation. No. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to uh, give us the chance to talk about Dismas Home and, you know, the women that we're, that we're serving and, you know, the wonderful things that can happen when you dig in. Well, thanks again. You're welcome. This is Jeff Feingold with Amanda Andrews saying be well, everybody.